and troubling times. John's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 33. For those that are online, these verses are going to be coming up on your screen. Jesus speaking, he said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. When Jesus made the statement, in the world you will have, another way to translate that is, in this world, in the world system in which you operate and live in and move around in and occupy every single day, you're going to experience, encounter, and face tribulation. It's inevitable. It's just built in. And it's not that God put it there. It's the result of man rebelling and turning away from God and sinning in the garden. It ushered in a season of sin into the earth. But Scripture says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So even though we're living in a hostile world, we're living in an environment where we are going to experience and encounter tribulation, that means that there's going to be times that you and I face and will have to endure and experience persecution for the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, God has provided peace in the midst of that mess, in the midst of everything that you and I encounter in this world. We have God's preserving peace that keeps us, that guards us, and that guides us in this life. And those are those are things that sometimes we become so acquainted with and familiar with that we really don't even recognize when they're operative in our lives. And I I want us this morning to maybe slow down our mind, sort of relax, unwind, sit back, and sort of soak in some of these truths that I'm going to read to you about the peace of God here in a minute. But Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is sharing with the church the work of peace and how Christ purchased and brought about peace for us. It says in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 2, For he himself, speaking about Jesus, is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as creating in himself one new man from two, thus making peace. Now, there's a lot of really theological baggage to unpack there, but let me put it in real simple layman's terms, is that we were separated from God. There was this wall, this partition that separated us from God, and peace was not something that mankind was experiencing with God. And because of this, Jesus came in the flesh, and he abolished and he broke down that middle wall of partition And he took that which was divided and he brought it back together again. We call that reconciliation so that we could experience the peace of God. Now, peace is something that we talk about often and that we desire and we long for. But peace is something more than that. Peace is something that is is important for us to have in order to live in this world in a way that we are not going under, but we are going over. So, and then it goes on and says in verse 16, and that he, Jesus, might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. That's the price that was paid 
so that we could have peace with God. It was through the cross. It was through Jesus vicarious death on the cross, him shedding his blood. We, which were separated, are now back in union with God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity or separating us from the very enemy that was keeping us from having peace with God, which is sin. Sin is man's common enemy. Each and every one of us have sinned, and that sin separated us from God. It erected a wall, kept us from the presence of God, but Jesus came and removed all of those barriers, and he dealt with the very core of what kept us from having peace with God, and that is sin and the death that it produces. And death can be synonymous in Scripture with separation. So when we think of the word death, sometimes we think of someone that ceases to exist, but none of us will ever cease to exist. We're eternal beings. We will be in the presence of the Lord or we'll be separated from the presence of the Lord for all eternity. And that's why salvation and the gift of salvation has to be proclaimed to all the nations. It's because the gift of God is salvation. And salvation reconciles us to God through Jesus Christ. And then it says in verse 17, And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. Now, that that sounds like, you know, like there were some people that were worse off than others. But really what the scripture is saying there is that he came and he preached to the Gentiles and he preached to the Jews. The, the Gentiles were a people that didn't have a covenant. We were without God, without hope. We were the ones that were afar off. And then he also preached to the Jews, the covenant people of God, those that were already uh, in, in a uh, redemptive relationship with God through the law and through keeping of the law, but they were still separated from God because we're lawbreakers. I mean, that's what we do. That's what sin produces in us is we go out and we don't keep the commandments. We breach and we break the commandments. So Jesus came and reconciled everyone, both the Jew and Gentile alike. And then it says in verse 18, through him, we both have access. Now both, both the Jew and Gentile have access by one spirit to the father. This is the work that Jesus had to do in order to provide peace for us with God the Father. Sometimes when we think of peace, we think that the opposite of peace is, is conflict or war or, you know, things along those lines. But, you know, in the biblical definition, the opposite of God's peace is chaos or disorder. When, when my life or your life is out of order and chaos is ruling and reigning, we lack peace. We long for peace. We look for peace. We seek for peace. And, and disorder creates unrest. We're not at peace. We're not restful. And uh, there are many examples of that in Scripture. When, when our priorities are not in their proper place, we're not at peace. There's conflict within us, but it's because of the disorder that creates chaos that reveals that we really do long for peace. It's something that we begin to search for, we try to find, we try to cultivate in our own way. But the opposite of God's peace 
let's not be mistaken, is when things in our life are not in their proper place. They're out of order. And Jesus came to put everything back into its proper place. He, he broke down the middle wall of partition. He dealt with death and separation from God by conquering death and hell. He holds those keys of authority. He makes a way for us to come to him. And all of those things required suffering and sacrifice so that we could be at peace with God. This, this price that was paid for the peace that we have with God was a, was a costly one for Christ. He left heaven to come to earth. He, he gave up his divine rights and privileges. He was clothed in humanity like us. This is the story of Christmas is that God incarnate, God came and dwelt among us and that he felt what we felt. He, he went through the temptations that we encounter. They're common to him and therefore he helps us with the temptations that we face every day. He is in every way, in every imaginable way, he has identified with us except he never sinned, but he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He who knew no sin, never partook of sin, allowed sin to come upon him at the cross so we who were separated could be at peace with God. Scripture even describes peace as one who mediates for us. And Paul was writing to Timothy saying, there's only one qualified mediator between God and man. It is the man Christ Jesus. It is this this man who came and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father. Scripture says, full of grace and full of truth. And this is the work that Jesus came to do on our behalf, to to bring us back, to reconcile us, to make us one with the Father again, to remove sin as far as the east is from the west, and not only the stain of sin, but the penalty and the power of sin to condemn us so that we would not live under the weight of regret and shame. He came not only to make all things new, He came in our lives so that going forward, we would always be covered with His care and with His love. We would have peace with God from our past mistakes. We have peace with God currently because of our abiding relationship with Him. And we have peace in the future because Christ is providing a place for us in the heart of the Father. This this peace that sometimes we become so accustomed to, so familiar with, are sometimes things that we need to sit down and meditate and think about until it really registers in our heart the complete work of Christ and what he did in in order for us to be in union with God. And it creates within us a great gratitude and a lot of appreciation. So the New Testament, the primary word for peace refers to rest and tranquility, which is in one's heart, in one's mind. The primary truth of God's peace in the New Testament is the advent or the arrival of Jesus Christ as announced by the angel in Luke 2.14, where he declared peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Isaiah the prophet had predicted the Messiah would be the Prince of Peace, and he called the Lord the God of Peace of all those who believe in him. It is through Christ's work of justification on the cross that we can have peace with God. And that peace that God gives us, 
he says, will keep, protect, guard, and watch over our hearts and minds to keep us secure in a troubled world. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to face trouble, but I have come that you may have peace. In this world, trouble is inevitable, but peace has been provided to keep our hearts and minds secure and sound. The soundness of mind is something that God wants each and every one of us to experience. He doesn't want us to allow the trouble of this world to get our lives out of order and to allow chaos to begin to rule and reign in our life to where we're just out of sorts. We're out of sync. We're not in rhythm. So God has commanded his peace towards us and he asks us to seek his peace. In the Psalms, he beseeches us to seek and we will find. Jesus even admonished that we would be called sons and daughters as we go about making peace with others. Scripture admonishes us in Romans that we make every effort to lead a life of peace. And of course, we know there will be some who do not desire peace, but we are still to do our utmost to be at peace with all men as much as lies within us. Believers have an obligation to let the peace of God rule in their hearts, according to Colossians 3.15. And this means we have the choice either to trust God's promises by letting his peace rule or to rely on ourselves and reject the peace that Jesus has provided. Jesus gives every single one of his disciples peace based on the truth that he is a world overcomer and through him we are more than conquerors. Peace is part of the fruit or the nature of God's spirit. If we are allowing God's spirit to rule in our hearts and our lives through Jesus Christ, this is the peace we will experience. Even scripture says to be spiritually minded brings life and peace unto us. Now, The reason that I bring all of that out is that this is not a subject matter that we can just sort of gloss over lightly in Scripture. It's filled in every story and every narrative of why God had to send his only begotten son is because this world was under the rule and the dominion and the power and the authority of Satan and sin. And therefore, all of us were separated from God And none of us had a chance to ever be reconciled until the Prince of Peace manifested and came into the world and did the work that he was called to do so that we were once who were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. And this is a message that that I read about often. I thank God for daily the peace that I have, a peace that 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 is a part of the garrison or a part of the guarding or the keeping or the overseeing of God upon my heart and upon my mind. Because in this world, Jesus said, you are going to have trouble. Tribulation is coming. With a capital T sometimes. It doesn't really announce itself. It just shows up inadvertently. You can have a good day going and in one moment of time, trouble shows up. And if trouble shows up, it shows up for one reason and that is to try to get you and me all worked up. Try to get us troubled in our heart and in our mind. And the only way that we 
can overcome trouble is through the Prince of Peace. We talk about peace as as if it's something that God downloads into us. Some somehow like we download software onto our our different devices and we just download peace, but it's it's much more personal than that. And that's where I want to spend the next few minutes because see, peace is a person. It's not something I can obtain. It's not a place that I can go. And, and a lot of people today are saying, you know, if I could just get away from my current environment, if I get away from the people that, you know, really irritate and, and aggravate me, I can get away from the pressures and the responsibilities of life and just go to an island and I could just be there all by myself. I would have peace. It's impossible because we're not even at peace with ourselves without Jesus. We're at constant conflict with our own identity, our worth, our value, our sense of direction and purpose. We don't have any of that until we come to peace with God. And once you and I have come to peace with God, then everything begins to unfold in front of us. Our purpose, our identity, God's care, His acceptance, a place of belonging, all of that happens as a result of being at peace with God. That doesn't come apart from the Prince of Peace. It comes because of the Prince of Peace. So you could go to a remote island and you may be happy for a few hours, but you'd be bored out of your mind in a little while and you would be like Tom Hanks. You would be looking, looking for Wilson and talking to Mr. Wilson, the soccer ball, and you would be looking for someone to interact and to have a relationship because that's how we were created. This peace that God has given unto us comes in the form of a person. It's also found in the presence of this person. It's not on a remote island. It's not on this, this, you know, faraway fantasy island. The plane, the plane, it's not found there. It's found, it's found in the presence of the Lord. It's found there. And you and I have the awesome invitation by our Heavenly Father to come there every day as often as we want. All we have to do is say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And by faith, we begin to converse and we begin to interact with God. This peace that I'm talking about is the result, therefore, of prayer. Because prayer brings us into the presence of God. True prayer, heartfelt prayer. Prayer there that we're crying out to God in the troubling world in which we live in. Prayer that we're beseeching God on behalf of those that have troubled hearts. Prayer that we recognize brings us into the person's presence that brings peace to us. How many times do we forfeit the peace of God? Oh, how often we forfeit those moments where we could prayerfully come into the presence of the Lord, wherever we are, whatever the circumstances are, no matter how much trouble is knocking at our door, we come to our Father and our Father hears our prayers and His presence calms the storm in our heart that the trouble's trying to stir up and rage. It causes our mind to be at tranquility and at rest. It's said that that in today's society, in the Western world, that, that over 50% of our culture is taking something to go to bed. And in other words, some 
kind of medication to try to unwind from the day. That, that's a large percentage. That, that potentially means 50% of the people I'm talking to right now, and, and I would say it does. You know that at the end of the day, you're struggling to just put your head down on the pillow without your mind ratcheting up about the things that you wish you could have got done or the things that you should have got done or the things that were left undone or for tomorrow. And, and, and this, this should not be for the Christian. It means that this message maybe hasn't, hasn't penetrated to the place that it needs to penetrate into our own personal lives. That, that maybe we're aware of it. We have a, an acknowledgement of it. Yeah, yeah, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Yes, yes. We understand that the necessity of it, but do we understand that it's personal? It's a person. And that Christianity is you and Jesus living life in a way that it glorifies the Father. It is, it is a, it is not just a matter of understanding the work that was done, even though that's very beneficial. It keeps us from trying to earn it or merit it. But it's a lot deeper than that. This is, this is, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. And then he equated it to belief. You believe in God, believe also in me. If you believe that the Father sent me, believe that the work that I'm doing will provide everything that you have need of. Will help you when your life is chaotic and out of order when your heart and your mind are, are trying to be troubled, the peace of God is there. And it's present. And it's in His presence. And I, I, I appreciate that, this about the peace of God. The peace of God is the power of Jesus Christ working in our life. It's the person of Jesus Christ. It's the presence of Jesus Christ. Listen, it's the power of Jesus Christ working in my life. Because trouble has a degree of power with it. It has, it's trying to get you to pay attention to it. It, It's trying to get you to be its audience. It's beckoning you to consider why you should be troubled. Why you should be worked up. It's almost giving you permission to be all of those things. It's trying to leverage its power over you. It's trying to control your behavior, your emotions, your interaction with other people. That's what trouble is trying to do. And who is behind trouble? Let's talk about that for a minute. Is the troublemaker. The troublemaker is Satan himself and all of his demon spirits. They're the ones that are going around stirring up trouble and strife and enmity and hatred and bigotry. They're the ones that are trying to get people to get their life out of order and mess in people's minds and hearts. They're trying to create a false narrative by lying that everyone can have peace but you. Everyone qualifies for peace but you. You've gone too far, made too many many mistakes, missed God too much. There's... Not enough grace for you. And that's not true. When you and I are, are trying to, you know, in the midst of that kind of battle, we need to understand that God's peace is there for us. A peace that silences 
the accuser, a peace that brings the presence of the Lord. But it's the power of peace that to me is transformational. This power is found in one solitary event and can only be tied to one solitary event, and that's the resurrection. The resurrection sealed forever that you and I can have peace. We have access to the Prince of Peace. We have access to the presence that this Prince of Peace offers. And we have access to the power that this Prince of Peace provides. The resurrection is the power of God. The greatest act of power that God ever demonstrated is when he raised his son from the dead. And he is alive forevermore. And since he's alive evermore, the title of Prince of Peace still is upon him. He is still the prince that brings peace into our life. In his presence, there's still fullness of joy. In his right hand, there's still pleasure forevermore. This peace that we talk about is something that God wants you and I to experience. He wants us to experience the person of his son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. He wants us to know that his presence is everywhere at all time. And whenever we call upon his name, his presence is there. He wants us to have faith in the power of his resurrection. That no matter what the enemy has arrayed against you, no matter how many accusations he brings, no matter how many lies he shapes or forms or fashions, that the truth is that God sent his son and his son has provided peace for everyone. It is the gift that God bestows upon us all. This gift of peace. So this peace that comes from God, let me read three verses as I close. This peace is something that God gives. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's John fourteen twenty seven. It's the second time in the same message that Jesus repeated himself, let not your heart be troubled. This peace with God is having been justified By faith, we have current, present possession, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. This peace of God, where Paul is writing and saying, be anxious about nothing. That means don't worry or be fretful about anything. But what are we going to do? But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. The word supplication means sometimes strong words, strong yourself. You're, you're beseeching God. You're imploring God. Why? Because around you is the pressure of trouble, the lies of trouble, the justification to act certain ways because trouble is telling you it's okay to be that way towards certain people or towards life or even towards God Himself. Trouble is trying to get you and I to get our life out of order so chaos can come in. But Jesus has promised that in the midst of all of that trouble, that he is present, that he is ever present to always help us. And through prayer and through supplicating and praying and giving thanks to God, our requests can be made known unto God and listen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard, keep, protect, and oversee your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
People might be concerned about the past. I understand that. There are certain things that sometimes we wonder, are those skeletons going to show up in the closet? Is someone ever going to find out about that? Listen, peace deals with the skeletons in the closet because God has dealt with all the old things. Sometimes we're even concerned about how people, you know, respect or even think of us currently. You know, what's our current reputation? What's our, what is, what's jury? What's the jury have to say about who we are as people? And, you know, sometimes that can try to create some anxious moments in our lives. But if you understand the price that was paid so that you and I could be at peace with God, you understand how important and how valuable you are to God individually. It's been said that if you and I were the only one, if we were the only one that would have said yes to Jesus, he would have left heaven to come to earth to save the one. I believe that to be true because Jesus told the parable of leaving the 99 and going to the one. I believe that. But many people have responded to him. But how many people still are troubled and trouble still is sort of running the way that they live? And they're frustrated and they're even anxious potentially about the future. They say the number one concern of young people today, the number one fear of a young person is the loss of a parent. And through the the 40 years, close to 40 years I've been in ministry, that's still was the number one when I got into ministry. It's still the number one concern of young people today in, in fear is what would happen if my parents weren't here. All right. The number two is the condition of the world in which they live right now. And this is where we have to help this generation. And this is where we have to allow, first of all, I think God to help us. And I'm closing with this. So many times we talk about this generation or the next generation will talk about that generation the same way we talked about maybe this generation or the previous generation talked about their generation is that they don't see how people are still believing that it's worth bringing children into the world because the world is such a dark and difficult and troubling place to raise people. That's been a narrative that trouble has been using for years to try to keep people from living their life in peace. The reason that people can continue to get married and have children and raise families is because they have knowledge of the peace of God. Knowledge, working knowledge, and a promise that God graces each and every generation to handle the attacks and the lies and the tribulation and the temptations that they face. God is faithful to every generation. When we start communicating out loud that the world is a horrible and de- deplorable place and, you know, it just, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember, I'll just use this as an example. When I was probably 16 years of age, I was at a camp meeting in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Kenneth Hagan was speaking. And he used this as an illustration, and it really made a mark in the way that that I began to process and think about how big God is and how faithful God is. And people were were talking about his generation and talking about, 
you know, they're all going to hell in a handbasket and, you know, this generation doesn't have the work ethic of the last generation and doesn't have the morals of the other generation, doesn't have the ethics of the other generation, just doesn't have the, the personal ambition and the drive of the other generation. And Brother Hagen was listening to that narrative by these, these people that were supposed to be, you know, giving him hope and a future. And he said as a teenager, and I heard this in my own ears as a teenager from an adult man, and he said, well, I'm not going to hell in a handbasket. I'm not losing my morals or ethics. I have a good work drive and ambition. And what he was saying is, I have something because of Jesus Christ that maybe other people, if they had, they would have better morals, better ethics, a better work ethic, a better hope for the future. See, Jesus, when he brings peace, he brings hope for the future. I'm at peace with God. I have great hope for this generation because the Prince of Peace was born. And just as he's provided peace for every generation, he'll provide peace for this generation. This is why, parents, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe God? You believe God? Yes, believe in Jesus Christ and the power of peace that he provides. The person of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, the power of Jesus to keep and provide for each and every generation. I believe that. And that's why Jesus came. He came to reconcile. He came to bring us back. He came to put our life into order. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.